When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to episode 122 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. We're so glad you could join us today on this Monday morning, March the 2nd. We've got a lot to get to today, starting off by talking about an ACC championship this weekend. In Blacksburg, we'll talk about Virginia Tech's indoor track and field team, the women bringing home the title. The men did very well as well. Plus, we'll talk about Virginia Tech men's basketball. Tough week for the Hokies, losing the UVA at the buzzer, as well as losing to Louisville on Sunday. Plus, we'll do a whip round of other winter and spring sports, and at the end, we'll get to your questions. It's all live on the Tech Sideline podcast, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm, and it all gets started right now. And with that, we welcome you into the Tech Sideline podcast on this Monday morning, recording on March the 2nd. We're glad you're with us. We've got the best producer in the land behind the scenes taking your questions right now on Facebook Live. He is Malcolm Stewart. On the podcast set, we've got our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, and I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Gentlemen, good morning and happy March to all of you. It is officially March Madness. Yay, we made it through, through winter. Not through winter, you know, through January. No, no, we'll have a blizzard next week. Watch. There was snow in Blacksburg this week. Yeah, and I'm so glad that starting yesterday, the weather took a turn for the better because it was brutal there for a few days. It's uh, it's gearing up for one of those big March 15th snowstorms. Everybody thinks you're through winter. Everybody's excited for the spring, and then boom, nails you. Uh, The snow actually came in unexpectedly kind of Friday night and Saturday morning, postponed the baseball game, doubleheader yesterday. So... Yeah, so that's why um, my te- my guide says that it was recording Bryant at Virginia Tech on the ACC network, but it was actually recording some of the traditions shows that that game was supposed to be on the ACC the network. Saturday game was supposed yeah. to be on the network. Yep. 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 Um, but all three were on the network extra instead. So good weekend for Tech baseball. We'll talk about that in a little bit later. They took the uh, series sweep from the Bryant Bulldogs. Actually, a pretty good team out of the uh, NEC. So. We got a lot to get to on the podcast today. We're excited to break it all down here on the Tech Sideline podcast. But as we now begin every podcast with, what's going on at Tech Sideline right now? What do we have on the website? What great content can our subscribers and our new subscribers? You ask that. I have no idea. Oh, that's I'm, all right. I got something. <laughs> oh, well, Will was reminding me to bring it up at the beginning. Yeah. So, so I was thinking about, uh, um, you know, last week we were talking about how unhinged got so many comments. So I'm going to write an article this week that is the top 10 commented articles in Tech Sideline history. Um, now we switched to the WordPress, WordPress content delivery system in early 2012. So that's eight years worth of articles. It doesn't go back you know, further than that. We didn't have comments on articles before then. But uh, the top 10 have all been commented on like 120 times plus. So I'm going to review all those and kind of uh, – talk about them and uh 
Mostly it's subject matter that people were not happy about. <laughs> of course, you know, people tend to comment more when they are not happy. So that's coming up sometime this week. I don't know when I'll get to it, but uh, I think that sounds fun, and I'll do that this week. How has your scouting series been, Chris? I know you've been working very hard on that. Uh, it's slow. Um, it's not a very big class, so I'm spacing it out a lot. Yeah. Um, I think I'm five players into it, and forgot how many we signed, so I guess I got about 10 or 11 15? Left. I think it was 15, right. something like yeah. that. Uh, of course you do. Your Fisher Law Firm Friday Q&A. Uh, this was titled Future Virginia Tech Basketball Expectations. If you haven't read it yet, what can you uh, give a little taste to our viewers that have not read it? I, I, I compared, since Virginia Tech is running a system offense right now, I, I think the best comparison for program building is actually UVA because they installed a system that their players were not used to running, and it takes time to – to implement a structured system and so I, I i think we should probably rather than comparing mike young to buzz williams or, or anybody or, like seth, that, greenberg. or seth greenberg or yeah. any past virginia tech coach we should probably look up the road to charlottesville and use that as our base uh i mean tony bennett went, went 15 and 16 his first year and 16 and 15 his second year didn't make the NCAA tournament until his third year, and then his fourth year they were back in the NIT. So one NCAA tournament in his first four years, and he's an elite coach, national coach of the year. Right. So it was probably the fifth year where, um, if I remember that season correctly, they got blown out at Tennessee by, by like, like 30 or 30, 40. 35 yeah. points or yeah. something like that, and the fans were freaking out. And then they just started winning right. and winning and winning, and that was the year they won – I think the ACC regular season championship, and they may have even won the ACC tournament that year. Mm -hmm. But it finally just took off for him early in his fifth year. Yeah, so um, so hang in there. Right, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it takes a while to implement a system. I know everybody wants overnight success these days. Um, my my personal opinion is I don't know that next year will be a lot different than this, than this year. Yeah. Um, just for the simple fact that the rest of the ACC is going to be better. I mean, this is a bad conference this year. Yeah, tech tech can be better, and it won't reflect it won't on the reflect record. Reflect in the record. Yeah. So, um, take take the longer term view because when you're implementing a system, you don't want to take shortcuts. You don't want to go out and take short term transfers like you know, like Zach Liday and Seth Allen because uh, because transfers they're they're not. It takes multiple years to pick up a system. You go out and take and bring in transfers and and especially like a graduate transfer who's eligible immediately, they're not going to be able to learn the system in time. So, so the, the, this is something that's, that's going to be handled uh, with long-term views in mind as far as how Mike Young recruits and everything like that. So, and, uh, and one of the announcers in last night's Louisville game was talking about having had a conversation with, with Mike Young, and the announcer said, you know, I, I don't remember what the question was. And, and Mike Young reiterated, he said, we need to get bigger. Oh, the question was, what do you need? Yeah. To, to, to advance the program and, and uh, he told the ACC Network announcer and this wasn't on the air this is a before the game conversation he said we need to get bigger we need more bigger guys we're, we're too small so uh, there is a long glorious history of not being able to recruit big men to Virginia Tech and that goes way back uh, to uh, when I was in school in the 80s, they had they had some guys in the late 70s, early 80s that were really good, Wayne Robinson and uh, Dale Solomon. Ricky Stokes had some big guys. Yeah. Terry Taylor, uh, gosh, uh, 
Carlton Carter, who could really shoot. Remember him? It, well, Damari in, Tompkins. In, in the classic mode way back then, everybody had a seven-footer. Right. Um, now, they don't spend much time in college these days, if at all. Unless they go to Florida State. You know, but and, and, and even back then, you know, they all go to Florida Correct. State, basically. Uh, even back then, um, Wayne Robinson, as good as he was, I think was somewhere between 6'9 and 6'10. I'm not sure. So... I don't remember Tech ever having a seven-footer who was worth a whole lot. They had Roy Brow. Roy Brow was like seven-one, and Roy was a shot-blocking machine, but that was about all he could do. Uh, so anyway, if Mike Young is successful recruiting, and and the definition of big guys these days is different, you know, like Kerry Blackshear is what six-nine, six-ten, six-ten. Okay, well, I'll, I'll take a six-nine, six-ten guy. There just aren't seven-footers floating around, but oh, yeah. that's no a doubt. big guy. And Mike's already got uh, Aluma's listed at six-nine, I think, and. If he can add another 6'9", 6'10", guy in there, I think he'll get closer where he wants to be. And he wasn't clear how many big guys he needed. He just said they need to get bigger. And we can talk a lot more about this as we dive into talking about the past week for Virginia Tech men's basketball. Heartbreaker against UVA on Wednesday, which we'll talk about. Yes. And then yesterday on Sunday, a 68-52 loss to the 11th-ranked Louisville Cardinals. But we begin episode 122 of the Tech Sideline podcast talking about an ACC championship. On Sunday, Virginia Tech's, excuse me, Saturday rather, Saturday. Virginia Tech's women's track and field team claimed the first ACC indoor title since 2008. They won it with 105 and a half points, easily besting second place Miami, which finished with 73 points. Big deal. And if you drill down a little further, they went into Saturday in fifth place, right, with 25 points, and they scored 80 points on Saturday. The The article said, quote, exploded, unquote. That's that's quite a few points. That's a big deal. Anytime there's an ACC championship. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Cue the and, uh, and Bill the, Brill jokes. The track program, whether indoor or outdoor, whether men's or women's, they've brought in plenty of those. Since Tech joined the ACC, it's, I would say – Outside of maybe wrestling, it has been Virginia Tech's most oh, consistent yeah. program. Evan's got the numbers there about uh, track and field ACC championships. It was the men have won nine ACC championships indoor and outdoor, and the women have won six. Mm-hmm. So that's a combined fifteen ACC championships from from those two programs. Yeah, and they had you know Dave. Um, don't want to mispronounce his Chinelli. name. Chinelli. Uh, Chinelli. Dave Chinelli has been in Blacksburg since two thousand and one going all the way back before they joined the ACC. He's the director of track and field and cross country. So talk about consistency over almost a 20-year span. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit I'm not up to speed on my Dave Chinelli history, but uh, I remember at one point Russ Whitenack was the uh, the track coach here at Tech. And uh, Jim Weaver reassigned Russ, uh, who I believe is still with Virginia Tech. Uh, uh, reassigned him to the Monogram Club. To right? the Monogram Club, yeah. And – and and Jim did what, and again, this is me pulling from the deepest recesses of my memory, which isn't that great. I think he studied what some of the better programs around the country were doing, and they had, like, individual directors for the men's and women's teams. Uh, wh- whatever they were up to, Jim modeled Tech's uh, track and field and cross-country programs on that model, and it's been pretty wildly successful. So, again, the women's uh, win the championship. The men took second. Nice. And they also on Saturday pick up two Commonwealth clash points. So still pretty far behind. Virginia now leads six and a half to five and a half. Mm, it's three and a half, I think. 
This is according to the press release on Hokie Sports. Okay, there you go. So I will, uh, but it's, let's see, it says uh, Hokie secured both points by virtue of finishing ahead of the Cavaliers on both the men's and the women's sides. UVA currently holds the overall lead with a score of six and a half to five and a half. It, it was really a killer when women's basketball got upset by UVA, who only has like 11 or 12 wins this year. Yeah, yeah, that's a, uh, that, um, that. But uh, because when, when you get swept in men's basketball and when you lose in football, the first time in 16 years, you, you need something to come back around and make up for it, right? Yeah, and, and, and we are clearly better than them in women's basketball, but yet we only got a split with the Commonwealth Clash points. Yeah, and I, I think each game in basketball is worth half, half a point. point. Yeah. yeah, so so that's a turnaround of a point. Right. Um, so you're talking about a six-six tie if that if that game goes in the other direction. So congratulations to the women, but the key question is, how did Cole Beck do? <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have he to had a lot of good it. times. I know that. I saw. I saw they were. Uh, he got tweeted out quite a bit by the track Twitter account. Yeah, I, I saw. Yeah, yeah. I I want to say at one point I saw he finished fifth in one event. I mean, I was um, looking around, and so I will try and pull that up and but see. At some point, did. when one of us is monologuing, you can you can pull it up and uh, and look at it. So again, uh, ACC championship this weekend, and speaking of the Commonwealth Clash think that it'll be tied up this weekend uh virginia tech goes to virginia in softball and uh, oh, yeah. if you take the series you get the full point so that's the only time nice. to play all year so i i'm not looking too far ahead but i think virginia tech can take two of three from virginia i softball. think that's a that's a fair claim so <laughs> that that would tie it up at that six is the most likely outcome yeah. yes <laughs> That's been a very consistent sport from uh, taking yeah. points from UVA yes. over the last couple of years. So, um, what uh, what programs have won ACC championships? Clearly, the football program has. Softball has. Softball won it in 07 and 08, I believe. Wrestling has. Wrestling has. Multiple. Men's and women's track and field. I, I think there's probably a cross country championship lurking in there Maybe somewhere. I think so. Yeah. Maybe a swimming and diving potential. Uh, I don't think we've had don't one for swimming about and diving. That. I think we've been good at swimming and diving, but there's a couple of really good programs in the ACC. Yeah, uh, not in soccer. Soccer's brutal. It's brutal. <laughs> yeah, you can finish in last place and be a really be good a team. really good yeah. team. That's right. Uh, I mean, this, this year the women's soccer program didn't qualify for the ACC tournament, but they still secured a home first round NCAA tournament game oh, against Xavier. So, yeah, no. Maybe so maybe the ACC needs to reevaluate how they do their tournament. If they've got teams making the NCAA tournament and, and, and hosting games, and hosting games, but they're not making the ACC tournament. Listen, in soccer, you win the ACC tournament, that might be harder than winning the NCAA tournament. Yeah, in terms sure. of the competition sure. you're playing every single round. Yeah, it's incredible. Now, now, baseball did get really close to winning an ACC championship. Yeah, they, they, they really lost that ACC championship game to uh, uh, Florida to, State. Uh, it was North Carolina. It was North Carolina. Uh, I thought North they beat Carolina. Florida State. They did. And then, they beat Florida right. State. Yeah, yep. really close. That was back in 2013, I believe, right? Yeah, they had so many good players on that team. Chad Pender, I believe, was a – or was Pender on that? Yeah, Pender was, was on uh, that team. Another guy for the Cubs. Uh, it starts with a Z. If uh, yeah, name. yeah, he was on there. Uh, there, there was a lot of uh, – a lot of talent on that team. Uh, they actually had pitching depth back then. I remember Eddie Campbell was like their fourth starter, their emergency starter. Yeah, he was and, pretty darn and good. And I thought he was like the most talented pitcher on that team. Yeah. Uh, so they had a lot of good pitching depth back then. Well, here's a, what's to come on the podcast today. We will talk baseball, and we'll talk about how good the pitching yeah, staff absolutely. was this weekend <laughs> yeah. against Bryant. So, again, we transition now from talking about the ACC championship for women's indoor track and field to talking about men's basketball. Uh, we touched on it a little bit, talking about uh, Chris's Friday Q&A. Let's talk about the, the last week that the Hokies went through. Let's start with UVA. 
because that was a game that was really the tale of two different halves. Virginia Tech scored the fewest amount of points in a half since joining the ACC. They were down 26-11 to at halftime. Chris, how were the Hokies able to come back into that game? And how tough of a loss was that with the last second three from Kihei Clark? Uh, you know, at this point I'm kind of numb to, to close losses. I mean, I've been watching Virginia Tech basketball since I was a kid. And I've been covering the team personally since we got a press pass back in 2012. So I've seen so many close losses that, you know, they're all kind of numb to me at this point. Um, um, but as far as how they came back, there, there was two things. First of all, they were more aggressive in the second half. They, they got downhill faster. They, they made it to their cutting points faster, I thought, were the, that, uh, and that enabled them to attack downhill and get to the basket a little more. But the main thing is they started making shots. It's not like they didn't have any good looks in, in the first half. Um, they had a ton of open looks in the first half, and they just missed all of them. Boy, they won up 13. In the first half, one of thirteen, yeah, from from three point <clears throat> range, three point against, range. Yeah, and then and, they just started hitting. And I and I think there was only out of those twelve misses, I think there was maybe only like two of them where I didn't like the shot. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I thought they were all good shots. So I, I think it's as simple as that. That's what got them back in the game. I think if they just had more consistently made their shots, you'd be talking about a win over UVA today, not a loss. Yeah, you uh, were assuming you were at the UVA game, well. I was. Yep. Uh, when when Radford scored that bucket to tie it, did did you feel like that was going to happen? Take me through your thoughts of the last thirty seconds of that game. Honestly, at this point in the season, I get a bad feeling. You know, I got I got a bad feeling when they were up when Virginia Tech was up three with the ball mm-hmm. with three minutes left to go, and and Nolly got called for a charge. Right. He got called for a charge. Then UVA scored. And to cut it to one, and then Tech took back-to-back bad shots in a row. Yeah, or early, too early in the shot clock, shots that we should not have been taking. At that yeah, point. so yeah. so there was a string of like four bad offensive possessions. Next thing you know, you're losing the basketball game. Yeah, and, and that's been the pattern. And um, uh, you know, I can't, I, I don't have a good enough memory to regurgitate stuff, but you know, this is a team that it, they led Miami by four points late in. I think regulation and overtime, mm-hmm. maybe they led Miami multiple times yeah. late in the game and could not finish them. Right. And so I don't, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm at the point where it ain't over till it's over, you know, till I see them actually finish the other team off because they're struggling to do that. And so for me, uh, I got the bad feeling when they did not score with that three-point lead with three minutes left to go. They didn't extend the lead. One thing that's a common theme from this past week at Virginia Tech men's basketball was the starting five, and if you go back and listen to Mike Young's post-game comments after the UVA game on Wednesday, he was saying that basically the starting five doesn't matter as much to him as much as who's on the five on the floor at the end of the game. Well, yeah, the- I asked him that question, uh, and my question was, were there any reasons for a different starting lineup? And that's the answer he gave. Basically, So basically he didn't answer the question. Mm-hmm. Um I don't really blame him. I think he's just trying to maybe look for a different combination. Maybe he's trying to light a fire under Nolly. And then specifically, he did not start Nolly and, and, and Horn. He started Ogiaco right. and, and Isaiah Wilkins. And, Isaiah uh, Wilkins. Uh, and, and I, I think he's trying to empower Ogiaco a little bit to speed up his development. Um, so, so to uh, uh, help me with my memory here, Mike had talked about running that uh, 
that that half court alley oop play for the for the post player and how other teams do it. And he wanted to start doing that with Ojiaco. Yeah, he and just they, yeah. they tried it against UVA. Yeah. Was it UVA? Uh, maybe I don't remember. I know we've seen it. It didn't quite work. Yeah. Um. Well, I th- where were we? Oh, the starting lineup. Um. Yeah, I, I, it's it's odd. You know, you, you decide to to not start Nolly, but they're starting him for the second half. I mean, when the second half started on both those games, I mean, Mike Young went with his traditional starting five, the one he's been using for most games yeah. throughout the course of the year. Um, Nolly, to me, I don't care whether Nolly starts. The issue with Nolly is he's still playing 25 or 30 minutes a game, and he shouldn't be playing that much, in my opinion. He's not – I've defended him because I say we need him in there because – He's six seven and he's a good rebounder. But then when he goes out against Louisville and only has one rebound in twenty five minutes, that's when he becomes that's when it becomes a five on four basketball game. And and watching the live stats, the sidearm live stats, one of the columns in in the in the player statistics is it's not defined. It's an efficiency column. And uh, yesterday I'm trying to remember against Louisville uh, you know Cone was probably pretty high up there in efficiency mm-hmm. Radford of course right. he's like running a 12 to a 15 <laughs> whatever this number means Tech's top guys are typically plus 12 plus 15 and Nolly was minus 3 for most of the game that he was in there and he was the only Wilk- Wilkins was also in the minus I'm not sure exactly why I, I, I'm surprised it was that high he was 2 of 9 from the field only have 1 rebound 5 turnovers 5 turnovers yeah, yeah, I don't um, know how low that number goes. It's, it's just we're wasting a lot of possessions with him out there, yeah. whether he's either turning it over or missing shots. And, and I thought, you know, I thought they were very competitive with Louisville in the first half, and then it started to turn in the second half. And if, if I didn't go back and watch it and catalog all this, but it it seemed to be Nolly turning it over and taking bad shots in the first five minutes mm-hmm. of the second half, and that's when the game turned in the wrong direction. Yeah, um, so I don't I don't know what I, I don't know enough about basketball from an X's and O's or a technique standpoint. I, I know he's got a weird shooting motion. He doesn't really jump when right. he takes his jump shots. Uh, you'd have to go back and watch what he was doing in November and December to see if anything's changed in his technique. Uh, maybe it's a simple technique issue. I do know he's not. Now that we have twenty seven games or whatever to review. We have a, almost the full body of work. And Laguna Beach Hokie said this on the board. He's not very athletic. He can't beat, really beat guys off the dribble. He's not, his first step is not fast. It's not fast. And yeah. He had a bigger guy guarding him yesterday, too, and he yeah. still couldn't beat him off the dribble. Yeah. Um, his fir- first step is slow. Um, so he's got a he, – I don't know. He better not declare for the NBA draft. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I don't know how much of this is Mike Young empowering him and how much of this is him empowering himself, but he just doesn't seem like he's playing within the system sometimes. Right. Um, so if one of your five players isn't playing within the system, then the system is destroyed. There's no point in having the system. You need all five guys on the court bought into the system to have it work. Yeah, and, and I've defended him as well because he's had bad shooting games where he's had four or five assists and, and seven, eight, nine exactly, rebounds. Exactly. You know, and we didn't see any of that against Louisville. Yeah, right. That, that was rough. Yeah, that's it. Start everything's for a while. It was just his shooting trending down, and one out of every three games he'd have a bad turnover game. But it seems like now that uh, 
almost everything is trending down. Yeah. I was trying to find this number. I actually watched the game at McAdoo's yesterday, and somebody was telling me, I don't know who, that there is one rating that has him being selected in the second round of the 2020 NBA draft. Yeah, but how out um, of date is that? You know, Good, good yeah, point, yeah. yeah. That, that's a great point. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you look at NBADraft.net, I think maybe their mock draft had him in the second round, but I don't know about their composite mock draft that right. takes into account 70 or 80 different mock drafts yeah. around. But uh, I, just, I don't know who would draft him. Right? I mean, he's a redshirt freshman who – He's made like he has some holes in his game. Needs lots to improve. Of holes in his games, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. and, and there, there is a bare minimum athleticism required for the NBA. Yeah, and I, I, I don't see it that out of him. Yeah. Let's uh, let's keep breaking down this Louisville game as we transition. Sixty-eight fifty-two, the final score yesterday on Sunday at the KFC Yum Center. However, it was tied at twenty-seven in the first half. I want to start there because that was a positive first half. It seemed like for Tech, despite the seven. First half turnovers, mm-hmm. and Naheem Aline jumped out to a quick start. It felt like, behind yeah, he the did. And the, the, some of those turnovers in the first half didn't bother me. I mean, the two or three of them were charging calls, and and those can go either way. Um, and, and those are your guys just playing hard and everything like that. Um, you, you what well, you don't like uh, live ball turnovers and stepping out of bounds and throwing the ball to the other team and things <laughs> like that. Uh, but when your guys. You know, they, they get a turnover for charging. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going to get upset about that. But you know, on the whole, on the whole, I thought Tech. You know, they did a good job in the first half. The, the, neither team could get the lid off the basket in the first six minutes of the game. So I think Virginia Tech scored their first basket. I think at the 14-13 mark, something like that, and that tied the game at two. Yeah, and then Louisville hit a three, and then they went to the first TV timeout with like fourteen oh two to go in the yeah, first half. It was like half. five to two. It was crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah so I mean, I thought Tech played pretty well, um, as well, well as they're going to play against the top ten team at this point in the season, probably. So since Louisville entered the ACC, the Virginia Tech's men I, and women I'm, do I'm not s- have a victory I'm against. Sick. I, I've never seen Virginia Tech beat Louisville in any sport. Well, that I've watched. I mean, I know we sure we've beaten them in some other sports, you know, some Olympic sports and things like that. Um, Lacrosse and, and, beat them this weekend in Louisville, right? Well, so oh, it was, so it was Virginia Tech at Louisville weekend. So yeah, okay. Yeah. So at least you want to Louisville, yeah, at least <laughs> lacrosse uh, came through. But you know, the ACC in one day, I, I guess, you know, to make Louisville happy, sends the women's team and the men's team out to out to Louisville on the same day. Yeah, the women played at noon, right, yeah. at the Yum Center, and then the men played at 6 right. o'clock. And, the, and those aren't winnable games for Virginia Tech this year. Yeah. Um, and then next year you're at Louisville in football. Louisville will not come to Virginia Tech in football until at least 2025. Right. Uh, yes, 2026 probably is when they'll schedule it. Um, yes. I, I yeah. remember – yeah, I remember when Louisville came into the ACC, I remember making up the future schedules mm-hmm. – on, on tech, the future football schedules on Tech sideline. And Louisville's only on there once, and that's Tech traveling to Louisville. Mm-hmm. And these schedules go way out. Yeah, so thanks for all the road trips and doubleheaders against teams that overmatch us right now, ACC. Yeah. But at least I got to watch. But at least they run clean programs. <laughs> but I'm <Ooh. laughs> Will went there. Uh, again, starting five yesterday was the same from UVA. It was Aline, Radford, Beattie, Ogiaco, and Wilkins. Uh, Will, another positive, uh, trying to take some positives out of that loss. Jalen Cohn, 15 points in 27 minutes. 
Yeah, so Cone and uh, Aline were 9 of 15 from three-point range, and the rest of the team was, I believe, 1 of 15. <laughs> I think Tech it, was not, up, it was 9 of 17 and 1 of 13. P.J. Horn was 1 of 7 from three. Right. Nolly was, was 0 of 4. Right. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, it, it, it was nice to see Aline have a good shooting game. Um, and Cone, man, Cone was just working his butt off. He's, he's, he's got he's – got, when I say jump shot, he – has a jump shot. He has a jump shot. Uh, I would describe Nolly's shot as like a flick shot. He doesn't jump at all. He just. I would love to see number. a comparison of the release points of oh, those two guys. God. It's probably the same height. I Cone might, Cone Cone might Cone be even higher. higher. Yeah, yeah, probably so. Um, uh, but but they were, they were using him to run some Louisville guys ragged and and I put on Twitter that one of my goals for yesterday was to see Cone outscore uh, Ryan McMahon. Ryan McMahon is a guy I will not miss at no, all. No, not you at know? all. And he was so nice to Virginia Tech in his post game interview. Was he really? Oh my gosh! Was, I couldn't watch he, it. I turned. Oh, it he off. was like, Virginia Tech is such a good team, really competitive program. They played so hard. They played defense at a high level. Oh, Ryan yeah. McMahon is that guy. I hate, <laughs> I hate him when he plays for the other team, but I'd love to have him play for Virginia Tech. Um, so that's I how think, I feel about Tony Bennett. If I'm being totally honest, like you know, not that I want to hear, but I just really like him as a person. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, I know. You know, it's hard to the, dislike him. That's the point. So anyway, I'm glad that it was Ryan McMahon's senior day yesterday, so he's out. Um, by the way, which brings up the question, uh, Wednesday night against Clemson is Virginia Tech's senior night, right? Yes, for Do the they one have any for Brandon Johnson. Brandon Johnson. Brandon Johnson. Yeah. Transferred so from Alabama about State. about six games this year. Maybe. So, Chris, you'll, you, you have a good memory for this kind of stuff. Uh, was it Buzz's first year when – Will Johnston and uh, Shane – the big man? And Christian Byer. What was Shane's – I'm blanking. Oh, Shane Henry. Shane Henry. Shane Henry kissed the court? No, uh, it was Buzz's second year. Shane was a Buzz recruit. Okay. So he was a junior. He was a JUCO. Was a Juco yeah. So he was a junior in Buzz's first year and a senior in Buzz's second year. Did Buzz have any seniors his first year? Yes. Will Johnson and Johnston. Christian Byer. Okay, and yeah. Byer. Yep. And maybe, I don't know, there might have been one guy, one other guy. I it's harder. It's hard to remember because players were in and out the door. Remember Van Zegeren got kicked off the team halfway through the season? Yeah, well, they went to Northwestern, right? He did. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. So that that little known thing, and um, Will Johnston played uh, that year uh, oh. with a pretty bad injury. Well, you remember, he, he got criticized for passing up the last second three pointer in that two point loss against UVA, and this guy had a hole on his elbow. And I'm I'm not. You saw a picture. Of I saw it. a picture. Of I it. never saw it. Ah, it was disgusting. I don't know how he was playing. I mean, it, it was basically like he got a cut like right here. And it got infected, and he and giant ulcer. Yeah, yeah, just kept getting bigger and bigger. And uh, you know, for those of you watching, it was something right. It was right there, right on his elbow, and it was probably like that big. And it was just a big open wound, and it was absolutely the most disgusting thing. I've and this ever was seen. not public knowledge. He this was is wearing. Not public, a, he was wearing, he was an wearing elbow a sleeve pad. over it. Yeah, right. yeah. And it's not public knowledge. People are like, well, why Will Johnson shooting better? Well, because he's got a giant hole giant on his shooting open elbow. Sore on his we're, elbow. We're lucky he's even playing at all. And <laughs> so, so Buzz had mad respect for. Oh him, God, and, and, Buzz, and, and, there, there's a mural outside the team locker room in Castle, and uh, it's three guys on there that Buzz wanted on the wall as representative of Virginia Tech's culture, and it was Zach Lede, Seth Allen, and Will Johnston. Yeah, yeah. 
It's a great story. I hope that he got that. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things here, you can like, cringing it's, thinking it's, about that. You, I, you, it's one of those things you can't really unsee once, once you see it. Oh, can you vividly yeah, see it right awful. now in your head? Yes, I can. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I have one question before we look ahead to this next week for men's basketball. Tyrese Radford, 33 minutes yesterday, flirts with a double-double again, eight points, nine rebounds. Is he the most valuable player for Virginia Tech right now? If Virginia Tech had to play an elimination game tomorrow, I think this is how you answer this question. If Virginia Tech had to play an elimination game tomorrow and you could pick five Virginia Tech players to start or to, to play against five for another team. No bench players. No bench players. Just pick five Virginia Tech players. He'd be the first one I'd pick. Or no, no. Let, let's let's rephrase that. Let, let's say you pick one player on the team that you can't do without for that elimination game. The guy that you have to. Play. Or you could pick the five. Sounds like a fun game. Yeah, okay, the five. Uh, Tyrese five. Radford, Jalen Cohn. Mm-hmm. Uh. Oh God. I mean, which I, PJ Horn's going to show up? The one yeah. that goes one and seven, or the guy that can drop eight? Or the guy that drops pit. a bunch of threes against you? It's, it's so hard to do. But I mean, I, I mean. I mean, I think Tyrese Radford is, is is definitely the most valuable guy. I, I would actually – Hunter Couture would actually be one of my five. Mm-hmm. I'm putting Beattie in there because I think – I mean, five rebounds passing him. I know he's not going to score, but you've got so many scores in that – Oh, you know how many – God, I mean, that guy would have had eight or nine assists against UVA if anybody could shoot. I mean, the ball moves better when he's in the game for sure. Um, the really? offense runs better Yep, uh, for sure. Uh, I, I thought Tech's ball movement against uh, Louisville at times was very good. Right, right. I mean, yeah. people want to play Jalen Cohn more. I agree. Jalen Cohn's minutes ne- shouldn't necessarily come from Beatty's minutes. I mean, I think Cohn is better when Beatty's in there with him because yeah, yeah. Cohn is a, is an off guard. Um, I think uh, Nolly's minutes needs need to go uh, to guy like Cohn and Couture probably, guys who can play within the system. You can run Cohn off screens and things like that. Uh, I with with the energy that Cone has to play with, you said twenty seven minutes yesterday. I'm yes. I'm not sure yeah. he needs to be playing more than I, that. I agree. I yeah. mean, yeah, he his twenty seven minutes are a lot different than other people's twenty seven minutes because of he's just asked to sprint from one end of the court to the other and run off screens and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, that's him doing that is like somebody else playing thirty five or thirty six regular minutes. Twenty seven of, of Virginia Tech's fifty two points yesterday came from guys who could be high school seniors. Yep. And Hemaline and Jalen Cohn. Yep. So looking ahead to the final week of the regular season, Virginia Tech is home against Clemson on Wednesday, and then they take a trip to South Bend on Saturday against a surging Notre Dame Irish yep. program. Yep. Until they lost to Wake Forest, right? Oh, you're right. They did. I'm sorry, I missed. That. I didn't realize they were surging. I, they were surging. Like I, I looked at the, that game and I clicked on it. I was like, "Huh, I wonder what Notre Dame's record is." Eighteen and eleven. At one point, they were fifth in the ACC. Uh, 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 or was that NC State? I, I was just that, shocked that's how NC State. I was shocked how high up in the uh, ACC standings Notre Dame was. What should we make of this final week? What do you guys? I mean, I got again. Aside from I, the whole wins and losses, I've, what do you want to see from Virginia Tech basketball in the next two? I don't know. I don't think. We can. I think I, they are what it. they are. At this I got point. it for you. Let me throw the glasses okay. on here. Uh, I, I printed this the out. We got, we got to make on. use. To, we got to make use of this. I did this research last night. So uh, what, what's killing them is losses in close games. Um, so if, if I, I printed out all the games that Tech had decided by ten points or less. Okay. So they started out six and zero in games that were decided by ten points or less. They won at Clemson. Uh, beat Michigan State. Um, 
Chattanooga and VMI were less than 10 points. <laughs> one at Syracuse by four and one at Wake by 10. And they were 6-0 and in, in 10-point games or less. Then they lost the home game to Syracuse by two points. Then they beat UNC by two points. And at that point, they're 7-1 and in these games. And since then, they are 1-5. And, mm-hmm. and the one is a 10-point win over Pitt. It's, right. it's not really it's a close game. Right. Five-point loss at BC, 10-point loss at Miami, four-point loss at home against BC, which is oh, overtime. overtime. Yep. Uh, the the three overtime loss to Miami by seven points, Virginia. and then the three point loss to UVA. Yeah. So just what is Virginia Tech's record now? Is it fifteen or fourteen? Yeah. Yeah. You just reverse two of those, and you're seventeen and twelve, and you feel a lot better. Eighteen and eleven. Right. And then you reverse Michigan State, which Tech probably shouldn't have won. Let's face it. And I mean, I think what we're seeing now is it's not it's not really freshmen hitting the wall. It's more. Re- Regression to the mean. Well, this is what we were supposed to be. So the the way it plays out is overall they're eight and six in games decided by ten points or fewer. Right. It is grammatically correct to say fewer. That is correct. And then the ACC tournament is next week in Greensboro and day trip. I will ask. (laughs) I'm going to ask you this question because I am sure it will be asked. And let's go ahead and talk about it now. Are you going? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Tech's guaranteed to play on Tuesday now. By the way. Correct. Right. But the first day of the ACC tournament. The question is. Can Virginia Tech still make the NIT, and do you want them to play postseason basketball? Uh, if, they, if they play, if they made the NIT, I'd want them to play Absolutely, postseason yeah. basketball. Yeah. Anything lower than that, I don't really see the point. Yeah, like, well, like the la- I went over the numbers in my Friday Q and A because somebody asked about the CBI. West Virginia accepted a bid to the CBI last year with a losing record, and somebody else did it about six years ago. But over the last six years, only two Power Five teams have gone to the CBI. You got to pay an entry fee, and going out there and playing Longwood in the CBI is not going to make Virginia Tech better. They're they're be, be, it's it's just not. I think most teams conducive. that play in the CBI actually do it at a loss. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and a it's, financial well, it's, loss. it's it's not a money thing. It's it's at this point you only continue if the players are one hundred percent bought in and they can. And they have enough knowledge to where they can move forward. Sometimes guys just need a mental break and need to go on vacation before they can improve. And I think this team has reached that point. I would I would agree with that. If, if the option is the CBI, I would say no. Absolutely let's, let's not. Just, uh, no. You know, and Mike Young might feel differently. The only guy I think could benefit from more time right now is probably John Ogiaco. Sure. Um, well, depends on who they're playing. Like if he's playing against Longwood's six six center, I don't think that'll help him that much. I don't know. Who knows? He get to practice his post moves. Yeah. And his shot blocking. So against <laughs> PJ Horn? What? In practice? I mean, just saying. Well, see, see, he's he, – another reason with Tech needs to get bigger is so he can practice against more height, Ojiako. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's practicing against Kive Aluma right now. But, you know, there needs to be more of that. Yep. All right, let's uh, transition from basketball. We've got a, just about 20 minutes left on the podcast, so I want to do a whip around of other winter and spring sports, and then we'll get to your questions on Facebook Live. Okay, let's start with women's basketball. They wrapped up their regular season on Sunday in Louisville with a loss to, I think they're the best team in the ACC, no question, in Louisville. But I think they pick up one of their biggest wins of the year Thursday against Duke, who I think has the ACC player of the year. If I had to vote, I'd vote for Haley Gorecki. Uh, they beat Duke by double digits. It looked like they might win by 20 at one point. Mm-hmm. So Virginia Tech is the five seed. They just missed out on that double bye. Because they lost at home to a bad UVA team. Sorry. 
We should be celebrating. Uh, I haven't studied the tiebreakers, but I think from a record standpoint, that extra, extra win would have put them up in the top four. So that is the highest seed any Virginia Tech women's basketball seed has ever had. Well, they've never the won ACC more than tournament. six ACC games in a year, so that that's like a quantum leap ahead. How, they, how many did they end up winning? 12? They end up 11 and 7? Uh, they end up going, let me see, they end up finishing on the year. Give me two seconds. I want to say it was 20, 21 and 8 and 11 and 7 11 in the and conference. Seven. Man, that's almost double there. And, and, you know, let's throw the UVA comment in there. They could have had double their wins. Uh, so, as the five seed, who do you play? So, they're going to get on Thursday, March 5th. Their tournament starts on Wednesday. So, it's Wednesday through, um, through Sunday. And where is it? Uh, it's in Greensboro. Greensboro. So, okay. the ter- tournament starts in two days, as we record on this Monday morning. Virginia Tech, the five seed, will get the winner of game number one, which is number 12, North Carolina, versus number 13, Wake Forest. Okay. That is at 11 a.m. on Thursday, March 5th. Yikes. Kenny Brooks is uh, taking some criticism from myself and others for certain parts of uh, his program, uh, their consistency levels. Um, they lost – they blew so many leads early last season. I think they should have gone to the NCAA tournament last year. Yeah, they blew a ton of leads early last season and started out something like oh and eight, seven, but and then seven. they finished six and ten. Correct, right? Um, you know, losing to UVA at home when UVA's only won eleven games or something like that, and, and, and they coughed up a happen. huge lead uh, that they had over Syracuse. I think they were beating Syracuse by sixteen late. So in the the, third. there's a trend of blowing big leads and yeah. just not playing consistent basketball. At, but at the same time, you can't deny that the program has improved substantially. And Elizabeth under- Kitley is a building block big right. time. Well, and I think that she, she has made the case to win ACC Freshman of the Year. Here are the numbers that Elizabeth Kitley, Tech's freshman center, who I believe was a McDonald's All-American, um, coming into Virginia Tech. Her numbers right now at the end of the season – she uh, 12.4 points per game. That's third amongst ACC freshmen. 7.6 rebounds per game, second amongst ACC freshmen. 56% field goal percentage, first amongst ACC freshmen. And 2.1 blocks per game, first among ACC freshmen. Uh, so the 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 women ahead of her in the points and rebounds are are any of them the same person? Does that question make sense? Like, that part, I don't know. That was just a tweet that Virginia Tech put okay, out. I can okay, try and find so, those numbers. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, you, uh, you don't but, have to do the research. But she's, certainly seems to be the most consistent. Yeah. And so Atash and Cole, the, the graduate student who's come in, has, has been incredible. I, I think, I, you know, taking a deeper dive, I think this is – you could look at it and say, yes, the last season they, they should have. Reagan McGarity and Taylor Emery were two mm-hmm. terrific players. But Kenny Brooks now has his people in the program. And you look at the recruiting class he signed for next year – I think the trajectory right now, despite a couple hiccups and the, the loss to UVA, and I mean, they shot 57% against Tech. I think that was just one of those games where, I mean, you know, it's not very often you have a player score 32 points in Asia. Well, they scored 86 threes. points, you mm-hmm. know. And, so, and they averaged 61. And we're talking about game. UVA here. So, you know. But the Syracuse one was a tough one. But I tell you what, I think if they, they beat North Carolina in the regular season twice, always hard to beat a team three times. And then if they win that on Thursday – they get uh, number four, Florida State. Hmm. So that would be the four or five matchup on Friday. So that's what's going on with women's basketball. And I, I think you could make the argument as well. I think Kenny Brooks is in the running for ACC Coach of the Year this year. Uh, so looking down the road, does he have a point guard coming in? Yes, they, okay. they do. There's this transfer. I believe she's a point guard. Don't quote me on this. There's a, tra- there's a point guard coming in from Australia who apparently is really good. 
Okay. Um, so, uh, and they still have Dare Mabry coming back, who's really a, a more of a two guard. Yeah, you don't really one. want Mabry running the point. But last right? year she ran the point. Yeah. Um, and then they've got Shepard. They, they they bring a lot back next year. So okay. Um, so Shepard is coming back. Did you say? Or yes. Wow. Shepard, Mabry, um, Baptiste, Kitley. Uh, is Rivers got another year? Rivers is uh, leaving. She's a senior graduate student. Um, but they they have a lot coming back. They do. Okay. I think I think I'm missing one more important piece. Um, all right, let's transition now to wrestling. Big week for Virginia Tech wrestling. They were off last week. They completed the regular season uh, when they wrestled on February 22nd against Pittsburgh. Uh, March 8th, this coming Sunday, is the ACC tournament, and despite going two and three, they have a chance if they wrestle their best on Sunday to win ACC tournament championship. Did they usually do the ACC championship on a Sunday? I think last year it was on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, in Blacksburg. In Blacksburg, yeah. Uh, and I think it's broadcast on the ACC network. So. Um, correct. Yeah. Talk about a program, speaking of close losses. Yeah. I mean, when, when Virginia Tech lost to NC State, they lost that match because one guy lost with three seconds left in the third round, and another guy lost with like twenty seconds left in the third round. Yeah, there's there's and, a thing in wrestling, you know, with the three periods. How do you close out the first and second period? If you're scoring, if you're getting a takedown, like in the last ten seconds, yeah, you know, that's I I totally agree. Watching them this year, and uh, who was it that they lost to recently, uh, Evan? Where I say where I said I it came down. Right. Yeah, Hunter Bolin, number two, versus Pitt's number nine wrestler. Yep. And if Hunter just reverses that and wins that, then Tech wins mm-hmm. the, the meet. Now, the good news is Hunter, though, lost that, but he becomes the number one ranked wrestler in his weight class. I'm going to really? try and look this up. His RPI? Real quick, not because of his RPI, and I don't I don't want to mistake this, but the number one wrestler who's the two-time defending national champion, I believe, is done for the year but not because of injury. So give me two seconds to look okay. this up. Okay. But at any, at any rate, he now goes from the number two to the number one. Well, rankings are one thing, but the, but the question is, when it comes to uh, NCAA wrestling championships time, where is he going to be seated? Because uh, I don't recall, but I don't think that's done using computers or anything like that. I think that's people doing the seating. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one thing. Some guys are an easy number one. Like, that guy's definitely the best in his country, the weight class, yeah. right? Uh, I don't know if that can be said for 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 that this year. I don't know. I don't follow wrestling nearly as much as you guys do. What was Makai seated last year? He was seated he, eighth, was the, and, uh, and that, eight? was, that was just – that was criminal. That was Well, it was just he had no, – there was no background. He just had that one year of evidence, right? He, yeah, and, I mean, he redshirted and, and won a lot when he – I just thought that he was he was way underseated. So Zahid Valencia is the name of the Arizona State wrestler who has won the last two national championships at 184. Arizona State has suspended him due to a failed drug test. Yikes. Sheesh. So that really opens the door at 184. And I think regardless if Hunter's in the one seed or not, he's going to be a top three seed unless something – really bad happens this weekend at the ACC tournament. So for tech wrestling fans with, of course, Makai taking the Olympic redshirt, David McFadden will likely be a top eight seed, but Hunter Boland will have a chance, I think, to win a national championship. Congratulations to Arizona State by, for sticking by their guns. Yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people would be real tempted to, you know, make him do some extra running this spring. <laughs> and say, go, go ahead and win the national championship. We are, Get back we are here meeting and, and trying to determine his punishment. Well, <laughs> and not to mention, they could re- – you know, he's suspended right now. I mean, who knows if he comes back. But right. that is the – 
official ruling right now. I think McFadden had a had a good shot at a national championship coming into the season. I think he was ranked something like fourth, but uh, he's been inconsistent this year. So so making a run all the way through the tournament uh, that would be quite a feat. He's he's a different eights. If he winds up being an eight seed. In the NCAA championships, that's a different eight than Makai was last year. 100%. 100% agree with you on that. He has a chance to become Tech's first wrestler to be an All-American in all four years. Really? Here at Virginia Tech. Let's also point out that the ACC wrestling this year is like the opposite of men's basketball. It's stronger and deeper than it normally is. Than it ever has been. Pitt is like 13th? No, 10th. 10th? So there's like four top 10 teams right now? North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Pitt, NC State are all in the top 10. Right. Wow. ACC has now become the second best wrestling conference in the country. Yeah, that's great. So, quickly, want to transition spring sports before we get to questions. Okay, let's start with baseball, Chris. Sweep of Bryant this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play on Friday, and they knock off uh, the Bulldogs 15-4. Yesterday, a doubleheader. 7-2 win and 10-2 win. Great series. Bryant took two out of three from Tech last year. Uh, it's historically a good program. Ryan Fector, Virginia Tech's pitching coach, used to be their pitching coach. Yep. And I think he's one of the best in the country. I haven't updated the stats. I haven't looked at the updated stats since before the series. But going into the Bryant series, Virginia Tech's weekend starters had a 0.00 ERA, 1.00, and 1.80. Those are the ERAs of Virginia Tech's three weekend starters. So pitching has been excellent so far. Bats finally woke up a little bit against Bryant. So uh, I know those first couple games were disappointing, but you know it's baseball. Baseball is a, is a marathon and not a sprint. And the game on Friday um, – had the pleasure of calling that with Andrew Wells. We had the glasses closed because it was flurrying during the entire game. It was yeah. really an interesting spectacle, to be totally honest. I drove by the stadium during the game, and I looked over there, and I'm like, wait a sec, Tech's playing a baseball game right now. This is- so that was the first home series this year, right? Yes. Home series. They've had weekday games against Radford and East Tennessee State, yes. but that was the yeah, first home yeah. series. When does ACC play start? This weekend Soon, in Atlanta. Right? Uh, I'll be going down there. Uh, they take on Georgia Tech and the Coastal this year. North Carolina, Miami, Georgia Tech, Duke, all ranked in the top 25. Then UVA, the 2015 national champs, were preseason fifth. And then Tech is sixth and Pittsburgh is seventh. And the Atlantic is just as good. It's it's a brutal league in baseball. And, you know, I was I had my first exhilarating ACC Network experience last night. Mm-hmm. I have the ACC Network now. So I was Congratulations. able to sit home and watch the game. This is a YouTube TV <laughs> subscriber now. Sorry. And uh, I could learn all about tack glasses and things like that. You know? For the Is next that your time, tweet? But, oh, my gosh. What a silly commercial. I mean, yeah, because I'm going to buy tack glasses because it's so common for me to, you know, accidentally drop my sunglasses under my infantry combat vehicle and then run over them. <laughs> is uh, that you know? what's actually in the commercial? Oh, that's what the commercial is. I'm busy is. tweeting. I'm it's, not watching the commercials. It's, it's, it's awful stuff. But anyway, uh, <laughs> had my first quote. Going to get a pair of tack glasses to wear when I'm on my Power Fit Elite. That was the quote other commercial. That, that, was, that was that vibrating thing that you stand on that just jiggles your entire body and is supposed to add muscle mass. So you you guys have seen the the old 60s fitness machines, right? Where, where it's got the belt that wraps around you and just shakes. Oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. What in the world? Uh, they Some people think the ACC teams are going to add 10 million per team in revenue. I'm not sure they are with this kind of commercials. That's a lot of pairs that, that, of tap glasses being sold. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, like like that guy got funding and just dumped it all into commercials, and he's not going to sell anything, and there's going to be some investor out he's there. He's down really in the Cayman mad. Islands right now, Exa- man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, real quick. Uh, sorry. No, you're sorry. 
Uh, let me make my point. So I watched <laughs> I watched the ACC network for the first time yesterday, and I was this is a baseball point, and the baseball scores are scrolling across the bottom line. It's like fourteen to two and sixteen to one. Like even Boston College is beating somebody like fifteen to one. Oh, it's twenty to one. Final. Twenty to one. I mean, the ba- the ACC is a bear in baseball, man. They're just drilling teams. Yeah. Um. So it's it's going to be a very competitive season. Starting yeah. pitching was excellent this weekend again. Anthony Simonelli, that's the name to keep an eye yes. on, a transfer who is right-hand. I tell you what, too, Andrew Wells made the point on the broadcast. A lot of scouts were there this weekend. Really? In February, yeah. late, late February, early March, the, a lot of scouts there. They're not coming to Blacksburg, Virginia in late February unless they're serious about they were huddled under blankets with their little radar guns. Um, Yeah. I'll tell you Uh, what, Sunday was nice. It was like 45 and sunny. Actually, it was comfortable baseball weather. I think Seymour's velocity has improved a little bit this year. He hit 94 yesterday, I want to say. 93, 94. Yeah, and and so – and he he already had the command and the stuff pretty pretty decently. So, And I think I read something before the season that said he was one of the ACC's best 10 prospects. Which will would have him drafted across all positions. Yes. Okay. But um, himself, Chris Gerard, you mentioned he didn't. He came in this weekend, not allowing an earn run. Mm-hmm. And this kid Simon Alley. I think last year Tech was missing that final piece to a weekend rotation. Mm-hmm. Simon Alley is that guy. He's a, yeah. a really powerful right-hander. He's got a 90, 91, 92 mile an hour fastball. Y'all are getting me all worked up now, man. I'm, I'm ready. If, for some well, if you like, I don't know how good they'll be at hitting the ball when. Uh, ACC play starts. I think they're, they're, they're going to be a better team than they were last year. There's no question. Um, but I I grew up as a Braves fan with Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz, so I like good pitching. Yeah. Like, last season, Tech didn't even make the ACC tournament. I liked last year's team because it was the best ERA in, in school, well, in like since, 30 years. Since 1984 right. was the first time Tech has that. posted yeah. a sub-4 yeah. ERA. Incredible. I yeah. mean, like I say, Tech has one of the best pitching coaches in the country. And, 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 and hadn't their ERA recently, in recent years, been around 5-something? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Tech baseball, generally speaking, Tech baseball has been able to hit, but they can't pitch or play defense. That's generally speaking. Yeah. Um, last year they couldn't hit, but they could pitch. Um, so, but, but they couldn't hit last year because they had a lot of youth. Um, so what you're banking on now is, you know, really good hitting to take a next step and be better than it was last year. And you've got, you've got good pitching and, and their closer, Zach Brixey, who, uh, had a great year in the Cape Cod league over the summer. I it's rumored he's hit triple digits. He's hit a hundred. I'm sure they were, uh, I'm sure they were scouting him. I mean, yep. Now he yeah. only threw about 90, 96, I think yesterday was his first fastball. It's cold. It's early in the year. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, all right, quickly because we are running a little bit behind schedule. Lacrosse, eight-seven uh, win. The only Tech team to get a win in Louisville, Kentucky this weekend was Lacrosse eight-seven. Uh, Virginia Tech Lacrosse is off to a great start right now. They are six and one with an overtime loss to JMU. Uh, now one and zero in conference. They've won five in a row. And softball is sixteen and four. They go four and one on the weekend at the Jacksonville North Florida Spring Break Challenge. Two wins against Purdue, a team with double-digit wins coming into the weekend. They did drop a close one to North Florida, 3-2, an upset, but I think that was one of those games that um, will fire everybody up. Well, so. you know, if you can go win 80% of your games every week, you're going to be all right. You're going to yeah. be all right at the um, end of the season. Where are they ranked right now? Uh, 19th and 20th in two different polls. New okay. polls come out either today or tomorrow. Okay. Uh, and. It must be fun to be a softball player because, like, unlike everybody else at Virginia Tech, you get to spend your 
most of the month of February and early March in, in, in the state of Florida. Yeah. 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 This week, Appalachian State on Wednesday. That'll be a decent midweek game. And then UVA this weekend. They were swept by Clemson this weekend, a startup program that's recruited well. Clemson should be uh, good in softball. Clemson yeah. should be good in anything. Yep. Right. Uh, and then over spring break, they've got uh, a trip to D.C. in the Northern Virginia, George Washington, George Mason. And the next Friday is their first home series against North Carolina State. So that UVA time. series is at UVA. Correct. Okay. In Charlottesville. And they just opened up a brand new softball facility for things in their Olympic sports. Brand, brand new. So Tech will get to help break in their uh, their stadium and ACC play. Okay. We've done a whip around of sports. That means we're going to step aside for a break. And when we come back, time to get your questions here to end the Tech Sideline podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go. Hokies. Welcome back in Tech Sideline Podcast, episode 122, recording on Monday morning, March 2nd. Glad you're with us. Malcolm Stewart, Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, Evan Hughes with you. Time now to close out the podcast with Facebook Live questions, but with the twist. Will Stewart, you have a question for Facebook. So as we wait for more questions from Facebook Live, I will ask Facebook Live a question. So I was uh been listening to Sirius XM 30 on 30, and they're playing the Top 1,000 country songs of all time. One now, I'm not, a, I'm not a big country music guy. I mean, I like, I like country music. I don't listen to it regularly, though. Um, so uh, I will ask Facebook Live, what do you think is the top, what do you think they named the top country song of all time? And if you want to double down on that challenge, what was number two? I think if you had asked me that, I actually might have been able to guess them. So there's, but there's so many songs that you can actually name a top one thousand. Well, and and, and and then you narrow it down. How do you narrow it down to what's the best? And so, like, so who votes on that. And here's see, and and there is no, there's never any discussion of how they did it. They just they just run down the list. Right. And when you start getting into the top twenty five or top fifty, most of the list makes sense, but most of it doesn't make sense. Like. Like one of my favorite country songs is "What Was I Thinking" by Dirks Bentley. No doubt, it's like number six hundred and fifty something. Was it really? Meanwhile, song number fifty six is some song I've never heard before. I went to a Dirks Bentley concert one time. Did you really? Yeah, and it was uh, it was in Salem. Was Miranda Lambert opened for him. Actually, wow. it was between his second and his third album. So, uh, "What Was I Thinking" was, was a huge song. So he does his whole concert, and he leaves before he plays that song just to tease everybody. Like everybody, he's like, concert's like, over, see you later. And everybody's like, what the heck? And then like five minutes later, he comes back out. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot it. They all wanted, y'all probably came to hear this song. I want to take a crack at number one. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking in the top five, uh, Country Roads. By John Denver? Yeah. Don't know. I, I haven't listened to all thousand songs. <laughs> oh, I didn't know if they, they had the top. I, now, now, actually, I'm I know curious. what they, I, I downloaded the spreadsheet off Reddit, so I haven't really gone through it in any detail yet, but I'll check and see if that's okay. it. I'm curious. There are several Ray Charles songs on there. Huh. No kidding. Okay. But, uh, so that I don't know. I do not think that was top five, though. I would, I'd be curious. I'm not a huge country guy either, but I would. So any, guess, any guesses, Malcolm, or are people snoring? 
<laughs> yeah, let's turn it over to Malcolm. What's believe, going believe, on, Malcolm? Malcolm is snoring. Put him on the couch. I'm working on it. Um, George Jones, he stopped loving her today. That's way up there. I don't know where it is, but it's way up there. It's not one of the... Do you know the story behind that song, Evan? No. I've only heard it once or twice, but it's I've it's basically... It's it's George Jones. Yeah. George Jones singing, he stopped loving her today, and he sings about how this guy has loved this woman all his life. And at the end of the song, you find out that the reason he stopped loving her is that he died. He had to die. And, and I remember George Jones talking about the song. George Jones talking about the song, and, and, he, and he was saying, you know, they're trying to get me to do this song. And he's like, I don't want to do this song. It's too sad. <laughs> but it is one of the top country songs of all time. But that, that's a good guess. That one's way up there. Think more contemporary. Uh, John Houchins says, David Allen Coe, you never even knew my name. That's a good song. You know, that one, that one's up there. Uh, is that the song? I think that's the song where, um, he, uh, I think he breaks at the end and says, Oh, whoever wrote this for me said, I I told him it's a great, he he said it's the greatest country song ever. And I told him, no, it's not because it doesn't, it's more about, yeah, it doesn't mention your mom being drunk, being drunk, your truck and his mom got run over by a train. So his, his last verse is something like I was drunk the day my mom got out of prison. That was it. Yeah. exactly. (laughs) I was driving my truck to pick her up and she got run over by a train. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, All right. Good choice. So, uh, Garth Brooks, Friends in Low Places. Ding, 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 that's ding, gotta be that is there. number one. Is it really? It is number one. It makes sense. That. So, who guessed that? That was good. Uh, Eric Crocker got it first, and then Sherry Overstreet commented right after. Nice, nice. Right. Well done. So any then, any questions over there, Malcolm? Are we, I like this <laughs> country music. Talk about yeah, country yeah. music. I'm cool with talking country music. <laughs> no, I think I Sweet Home that. Alabama may be in the top ten. I hate that song. What? I mean, that, that's a rock song, though. It's a, really, it's I would, I would classify song. that as country. All right, I will look for it. Was but Johnny, it does have guitar. Was Johnny Cash, part of that. Oh, oh yeah. What's uh, Johnny Cash? God's going to cut you down, right? The pub before Enter Sandman at Lane yeah. Stadium. Yeah, um, of course, Johnny Johnny Cash. I think he had a song in the top five. Folsom Prison Blues was way up there, but it was not number two. <clears throat> so we're still searching for number two. The boy named Sue. Yeah. No, yeah, that was on yeah. there. Though. That was one of your bios at one point. One and a boy named Sue. All right, any Virginia Tech sports questions? <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got a podcast question from Eric Fisher. Okay. Uh, what guests might we see in the coming weeks? That is great. I was about to talk about okay. this. I don't Eric know, Fisher. I do, I do not know if this is going to happen in the coming weeks, but uh, didn't we ask for guest suggestions on Twitter? We did. Uh, I don't know, did we? We did. And Jeb Burton. NASCAR driver Jeb Burton. raised his hand emoji. Raised his, did the raise his hand emoji on Twitter. So we kind of looked at each other like, really? Um, so, uh, he, he indicated, yeah, he wants to come on the podcast and, um, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Chris and I were talking about this weekend and he's like, what do you think Clark Ruland knows Jeb? So I DM Clark on uh, Twitter and I'm like, you know, Jeb Burton and Clark's like, yeah. And I said, uh, ask him if he really wants to be on our podcast. Clark answered within like 30 seconds. He says, yes, he really does. <laughs> uh, but, uh, for those who don't know who Jeb Burton is, he is Ward Burton's son. Yes. So let's fill it in. Yeah. Jeb races on the Xfinity series. Right. Uh, Jeb uh, from South, uh, South South Virginia, like me, uh, is a Virginia Tech fan. South Boston. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it would be a good that, – that's the connection. We're not just bringing a random NASCAR 
driver on, on the right. show. We were bringing a NASCAR driver who's a Virginia Tech fan. Yeah. Yeah. Who, so, who has driven the Virginia Tech car before. So I, I don't know Zip. So he has driven a Tech car. I'm pretty right. sure he has, yeah. So th- there'll actually be all kinds of stuff to talk about, but I, I don't follow NASCAR. So, right. I'm, so I'm looking him up and I'm researching it. And he's in the Xfinity series, which is the quote unquote minor, minor leagues. Well, of, it's. It's the Gosh, second. I remember level. when it was the Winston Cup and the Bush Series. And right now, I don't even know what the number one series is. It's now. just called the the NASCAR Cup Series. Is the top level okay. the top forty three okay. drivers? They race on Sundays, and then the Xfinity Series races on Saturdays. It's they, it's, it's generally about two thirds the length of the Sunday race. They're really a, they're a lot of fun. I've been to plenty of those races yeah. or a few of those races before. So Jeb Jeb is twenty seven. So Malcolm, this will ring a bell with you. Um, Jeb is is Ward Burton's son, and Ward used to drive the number twenty two Caterpillar car. That's right. Back in the day, when Malcolm was a little guy, we had uh, like a plastic version of the Caterpillar car, and then we also had a little uh, diecast one that we probably got out of a cereal box or something. Mm-hmm. So in two thousand two, in February two thousand two, when Malcolm had, was barely three years old, Ward won the Daytona five hundred. My fa- one of my favorite <clears throat> moments is when I used to be an NASCAR fan. Ward finished first. Elliot Sadler finished second. It was all Southside yeah. Virginia top two. You were yeah. a Sadler fan, yep. right? So, so Ward wins the Daytona 500 in the Caterpillar race car. And I'm looking at Malcolm. I'm going, Ward Burton just won the Daytona 500. And he's three. He doesn't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Malcolm. Yeah. So anything, anyway, I, I, he was busy I, contemplating his future AAU basketball career. That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but He's practicing sitting in a chair. I think we need a Malcolm mm-hmm. story at the end of every but, podcast. I'm so we're, 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 we're not saying that Jeff Burton's going to be on the podcast soon. Soon. Because but, they are in the middle of their season, of course. And it, well, actually, they just started their season yeah, a couple weeks yeah. ago. And their season will last until November. Yeah. But so, but, but that's I, a possibility I, at some point along the line. The conversations have been had. So I now have Jeb Burton's phone number, which I, I rank right up there. Like if you go back in the time machine, the day that Ward won the Daytona 500 and say his son is going to be on your podcast. One day. <laughs> that goes along with the time machine story about watching Radford High School play when I was in 10th grade and Mike Young and Mike being Young. on the floor playing for Radford. That's funny. All right. So, anyway, any, any questions and we can wrap this thing up. Yeah. Uh, a couple more guesses for the number two spot. Uh, Jeffrey Loveless, Dolly Parton, I Will Always Love You. No, but that was way up there. Yep. Uh, and Scott Crawford, Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain, Willie Nelson. No. So uh, since we're getting to the end of the podcast, I will tell you number two was Crazy by Patsy Cline, which makes sense. That is. I'm not sure I know that. Well, I don't know gonna, who that I'm is. I'm not going to sing it for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, cra- crazy is iconic, and she also had a song I really like called I Go Out Walking After Midnight. That's an outstanding song. Yeah. All right. Uh, John Houchin's uh, question. Kenny Brooks's future. Having a good year, but contract not yet renewed. Will it be renewed? Same terms slash compensation. Yeah. Um, he has one more year on it, right? Next two, year? actually. Two. Okay. Uh, two. Um, they signed him, I think, to a six-year deal, and he's just finishing his fourth year. So he's got, he's got two years left. I, I originally thought, you know, they're paying him six hundred grand. It's a lot of money for a women's basketball coach, and I think maybe it was when they first hired him. But now, based on what what little research I've done, it seems like the going rate for ACC women's basketball coaches. So if that's the standard, then you know I think Tech is probably getting a pretty good deal. Now that said, it's I, I don't know Virginia Tech's future numbers. I don't know that that's a sport. Now I will say that Virginia Tech. 
they seem to be continually losing more and more money in women's basketball. They're paying more for coaching, but it's not generating any more revenue. It's just not going to. Um, so you have to be careful exactly how much money you, you put into it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, if Kenny Brooks wanted to re-sign tomorrow for what for his current contract, I think that's fine. Sure. I mean, based on what everybody else is paying their women's basketball coaches. So it's it's it's, uh, and I haven't put a lot of thought in this. This is off the top of my head. It's an interesting dance. The uh, it, Whit Babcock as athletic director is looking at the program, and expenses are going up gradually every year, and revenue revenue is not really going up. It actually dropped in the most recent financial report. Yeah. Um, so, and. And I, I do not believe, and this is no insult to Kenny or his family or anything like that, but, but I don't believe at this point in his Virginia Tech career that other schools are beating the door down to hire him. So what do you do if you're wit? Um, although I do think, I mean, they're going to the tournament this year. Yeah, he's NCAA improved the program, yeah. for sure. So yeah. the program appears to be on an upward tra- trajectory. Evan, I know you like the, the recruits they got coming in. Um, so... I think one possible outcome to this is everybody just kind of stands pat that you sign a piece of paper and it extends his contract. But I don't think you're going to see him getting a pay raise to $800,000 a year or anything like that. Yeah. Um, now, if if Witt was Jim Weaver, he'd probably play hardball and try to get him to take a pay cut. You know, that's, I, I just think that's the way Weaver would have rolled on it. So, um I think you might see at the end of the year a one- or two-year extension to get him out to three or four years and kind of see what happens from here on out, but I don't think more money will be involved. Yeah. That's my take. Mine too. So, anything else? I believe that's it. Okay. There you have it. it (laughs) And here are some uh, news at the end of the podcast. I have. You know, I always check Twitter and see if there's any breaking news or any hokey news. Judge Judy's going off the air after 25 seasons. That's your breaking news on Twitter here in the podcast. Oh, wow. No kidding. You know, I've watched very little Judge Judy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It'll end after the 2020-21 season. I try to watch it because it's funny, and I'll get five or ten minutes in, and I just can't stand the people on it. I, I've, I've sat at, like, at an airport bar and watched <laughs> an episode or two, and I'm like, oh, that's a pretty funny show, and then I never watch it yep. again until I'm at an airport bar again. Right, that <laughs> show is perfect for an airport bar. That's though. trending on Twitter as well as Wendy's Breakfast, which debuted today. So Right. I got some coupons for that. And my daughter go. works at Wendy's. Did you know that? I did not know that. Did she? Not for breakfast. <laughs> not yet, anyway. All right, that'll do it. Episode 122 of the Tech Sideline podcast. A reminder to follow us on social media. We're at Tech Sideline on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you can stay up to date with everything going on on TSL on our social media pages. If you're watching this video on YouTube, be sure to hit the like and subscribe button. It means a lot to us, and we'd really appreciate it. All right, any closing thoughts, gentlemen, before we sign off? Nope. My usual. Let's get to work. Let's get to work. All right. That'll do it for episode 122. For the best producer in the land, he is Malcolm Stewart. On our podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, Army podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long. Thanks so much for listening. This has been episode 122 of the Tech Sideline podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm.